Good morning. Welcome. We're going to uh, read Hosea this morning. I'm going to read to you chapters 1 and 2. But Hosea is a prophet to Israel in the 700s BC, so 2,700 years ago. Hosea lives in the northern kingdom. After David and Solomon, there was a civil war and the 12 tribes of Israel split into two nations. There was Judah and Israel, and Israel was the northern kingdom of 10 tribes, and they were particularly wicked. They never had a godly king, and God kept warning them, I will destroy you if you don't obey me, and they ignored him, and it happened. In 722 BC, the Assyrian army came uh, from the north, and they wiped Israel off the map. They were particularly brutal, and I've gone into that before, but that's not my point today. Today is Hosea is one of the last prophets to the nation of Israel, warning them, if you do not repent right now, disaster is coming. God is going to punish us. And so this is the book of Hosea. It's uh, 13 or 14 chapters. You can, you can read the whole thing in one sitting if you want, but we're just going to read the first couple chapters. And it's abbreviated to just get the details out of the story that I need for you to know today. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Hosea is, if he's not married yet, that means he's probably in his late 20s. And it says, When the Lord first began to speak to Hosea, the first thing God says is, Hey, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. And there might be some guys that think that was cool, but uh, Hosea is about to find out that is not cool. Uh, it is not fun to be married to an unfaithful woman. And he goes and marries a girl named Gomer. That's a very unfortunate name in English. But in Hebrew, uh, in those days, it actually is a feminine name that doesn't have anything to do with Gomer Pyle. So the, we have Hosea and Gomer. So she gets pregnant and has... And bears him a son. So Hosea's son is born, and the Lord says to Hosea, Call him Jezreel. Jezreel is the name of a town, a city in Israel. There are people today named with place names, and I'll talk more about that later, but so that's not all that unusual uh, for us in English. But he's named after a city, and God says, Because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. Talk to you more about that later. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. So this God has him name him a prophetic name because I'm, I, it's a warning to the nation. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Now, with Jezreel, it said she gave him a son. Now it just says she conceived. She has stepped out on him and been unfaithful, and this girl is not Hosea's daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, or no mercy, or no compassion, is how we could translate Ruhamah. For I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them. So the girl is born, and God tells Hosea, name her, I don't love her, she's not mine. Because it is a sign to Israel, I'm done loving you. You've cheated on me so many times, I'm done. Now when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. And notice again, it's not Hosea's. She didn't bear him a son like with Jezreel, she just bore a son. And God said, call him 
Lo ami, which means not my people. In English, a better translation would be, he's not my family, or that's not my kid. And you, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. Say to your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face, and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked, and make her as bare as the day she was born." It's what husbands whose wives cheated on them did in those days. They would take them out in the street in front of the whole town and strip them naked to let everybody know that she had cheated on him. And I will make her like a desert and turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. I will not show love, my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in, in, in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give them my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. When it says, I will not, she is not my wife. I am not her husband. I will not love her children. Is that God or Hosea speaking? Yes, it is. God and Hosea. Yes. When she says, I will go after my lovers, is that Gomer or Israel? Yes, it's both. It's Gomer and, and Israel, both. God is using Hosea's heartbreak and his anger to demonstrate how he feels about his people that cheat on him. So she says, I will go after my lovers. That's Gomer and Israel after other gods, Gomer after other men, who give me my food and my water and my wool and my linen and my oil and my drink. See, Israel as a nation was not looking to God for provision of food and clothing and what they needed. They were looking to other nations around them. They had made trade treaties and military treaties and, and they were... They were just dealing with the other nations around them and they, they had entered into worshiping their gods and God always calls worshiping other gods adultery because he always calls his relationship with us marriage. That marriage is the only picture of how exclusively faithful we are to be with him. So when we go toward other things in our heart, it's adultery. But Gomer also had cheated on Hosea saying, I will go find my other lovers who give me food and drink. Prostitutes were paid with wine and food. You might think that's strange, but nine days ago, millions of girls gave it away for free on Valentine's night just for a meal and a flower. At least the hookers have enough sense to charge money for it. Seriously. Seriously. You're giving it away for a meal and a flower. It's got to stop. Hookers have more sense than that. So, God and Hosea say, I will rebuke her. I will strip her naked. Therefore, I will fence her in so that she cannot get away. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and the gold, which they used for Baal. God says, I'm the one that gave you the stuff that you are offering as offerings to the Baals. Hosea says, do I not take care of you? You have to step out with another man to get more? God says, 
Am I not taking care of you? I give you really good stuff. And then you go and offer it to a Baal. That's an idol statue that they would worship. And God is the grieved husband. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will rescue her out of my hand. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed feasts. Israel was still going through the motions of worshiping God. And God says, I don't want your religion. I want your heart. You're doing all this religious duty and you're doing the right things, but you're also doing other gods. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the Baals. God obviously speaking to Israel, and he did that in 722. uh, The Assyrian army came and they wiped the land bare. They ruined all the city walls. They destroyed all the orchards, chopped down all the trees, put rocks in all the fields. And later on in the book of Hosea, God prophesied through Hosea, even the fish will die. Well, that happened 100 years later when they poisoned the waters. They killed all the fish. They just destroyed the land. And here God says why he's doing it. Because she decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. And I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of suffering as a a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband, for I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals, and they shall be remembered by their name no more. In that day I will make a covenant, bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth, as with all the prophets of the Old Testament who prophesy disaster and destruction and judgment, God always includes restoration afterward. I'm not leaving you completely. I'm going to punish you for your sin, but there is hope after that. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So we've got seven characters in this story. There's Hosea and Gomer. There's three kids. There's Jezreel, who is uh, Hosea's actual son. Then there's Lo-Ruhamah, which is the the girl. And Lo-Ami, or Ami, is the youngest son. Gomer is apparently an unrepentant prostitute. Even after she's married, she doesn't quit. She does what she's doing, and actually her actions cause the entire story. We're not told about why she does what she does or um, how she thinks or feels about it, but we, are, we do see Hosea's pain and his anger, and that is his anger is righteous anger. It's not sinful offense because you can't write the eternal word of God in sinful offense. So when he says, I'm going to take you out and strip you naked, that's righteous. Because that's what God says he will do to Israel. God is using Hosea's experience and his anger at his unfaithful wife to express his own heart. So we see Hosea's rejection. And then there's Jezreel. And so Jezreel is named after this city at God's instruction. He says, name him after this city, Jezreel. And then he says, because I'm going to judge Jezreel. Jezreel was a city in Israel where Jehu, who's the first king of, he's actually well, the second king of Israel, um, where he 
committed a massacre. I don't have time to go into it all. You can read in 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles if you want to know the story of Israel. But uh, God says, I'm going to judge Israel at Jezreel, and I want you to name your son as a prophetic sign to the nation. God uses people and their families as prophetic signs. Isaiah says that in chapter 8, verse 18. Here I am, and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah is a different prophet at a different time, but Hosea also sets up, God sets up Hosea and his son as a prophetic sign of the judgment that's coming. I think that our oldest daughter, Freedom, her name was given to us by God as a prophetic sign because we needed some freedom in our family at the time she was born. I know I got Harvest's name, uh, our youngest daughter, directly from the Lord, and, and she is, uh, her name is a fulfillment of prophecy for sure, and some of you know that story, but Jezreel is a prophecy. He's just named that as for the Lord, at the Lord's direction. And being named a place name would be like a woman named Georgia. Most of us know a kid named Dakota. You know, there's place named people in America and in English. So Jezreel is, is just that. That's him. He is Hosea's actual son, and he's not a character in much of the rest of the story. But then there's Lo Ruamah. Lo Ruamah is... The daughter, the first that's conceived after Hosea marries Gomer, may not have been the first time she cheated on him, but the first time she got pregnant by another man. And at God's direction, Hosea names her not loved. Ruamah can mean love, mercy, or compassion. So it means no love, no compassion, no mercy. Because God says, I am done showing mercy to Israel. God makes her name a prophetic message to Israel, but we still have a little girl named Not Loved. It's heartbreaking. It's terrible, but it's God's name for her. It's Gomer's sin. It's mom's sin that did it, not God or Hosea. God didn't make Gomer sin, but neither did the daughter. But for the rest of her life, she has to be introduced as no love or unloved. That's my name. It's horrible. She's the daughter of an absent bio dad, raised by a man who's not her father. I know I wouldn't exist except that my mom sinned. I'm illegitimate. I'm rejected. My mom's a mess, and the man that raised me doesn't love me. And then we have Loami, the youngest son. Again, at God's instruction, name him, not my family. It's not my kid. This is not my son. It's his name. And it also is a prophecy to Israel. You're not my children anymore. Because your mother has stepped out on me, and I'm not your God, so I'm not your father. It speaks of Hosea's anger at Gomer again, and Gomer's sin and betrayal. But again, we have a fatherless little boy, rejected by his, I don't know if you could call him a stepdad, not really, I don't know, I don't know what we label Hosea in Loami's life. Again, we have a boy that knows he shouldn't exist, and I wouldn't except for my mom's sin, I'm illegitimate, every single time I'm introduced, I'm a reject. 
when, uh, when Hosea introduces the kids, this is my son Jezreel, this is, I don't love her, and this is not my son. Well, whose son is he then? Well, I'm raising him, but he's not mine. And everybody knows what that means. And the kids just have to absorb that every time. Their mom made it happen, but God named them that. Surprise anybody? So let's talk about Hosea. He's likely in his late 20s. We have no idea how to know. But likely, that's when, married, that's when men married back then. And they married girls between 5 and 10 years younger than them. So Gomer is between 15 and 25, and he's between 25 and 30. The word of the Lord comes to Hosea and says, Hey dude, you're going to be a prophetic sign. I want you to marry a prostitute. Anybody ever heard God has a good plan for your life? <laughs> Hosea? I am commanding you, I am instructing you to marry a woman who is going to cheat on you. She's going to break your heart. She's going to make you furious. She's going to betray you. And because you obey me, you will be a prophetic sign, but it's going to cost you a lot of pain. Oh, thanks, God. That's great. But we go out and tell people, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Like, God loves me? I love me too. That's awesome. God has a great plan for my life. I have a great plan for my life. That's great to know. And we, Jesus is your biggest fan. Really? I didn't know anybody could be a bigger fan of me than me. Hosea might have a different way to evangelize. You know what? If you're going to obey God, it is going to be the most costly lifestyle you could choose. It will lead you to the cross. Come on, Jesus said, if you follow me, you will end up hanging on a cross. God comes to Hosea and he says, I want you to marry a prostitute. And she's going to cheat on you. And I am going to make that a message to your country. God wants all of you. And he will direct your steps, whatever situation he desires. You are his servant, not the other way around. Obeying him will cost you more than any other lifestyle you could choose, and it will lead to pain and rejection and the cross. But he can do whatever he wants, however he sees fit. He, can, he may marry you to an extremely difficult person. He may have given you to unfit parents that did not treat you right. He may lead you, he will lead you into extremely difficult situations and relationships and circumstances. And that won't be enough because he will tell you in the midst of this extremely painful or difficult relationship or circumstance, I am putting you on display to the whole world as a message from me. So not only are you going to be living through heartbreak and difficulty, I'm going to show it to everybody. Because you are a prophetic sign. You are a prophecy to the world. You are a testimony to the world about who I am and my redemption. I will display my goodness on you. Jesus had a man come to him who needed healing. 
And the Pharisees wanted to bicker about whether God had caused it or his parents or the devil. And Jesus just said, no, this sickness is for the glory of God. Be healed. And he healed him. That's the story we get in the Bible. But what about the years or decades of sickness and pain leading up to that? The man really, truly was suffering something. And Jesus just said, you know what? Right now, we're going to rewrite the story. This is for the glory of God. Be healed. And that's what's in the eternal word of God. But the man paid a price to get to that point in the story. Hello? The story's always about redemption and the glory of God and the name of Jesus. But all the characters in the story have a backstory. Or they arrived at their meeting with Jesus. I've told you before, but I read a story of a Vietnamese pastor who was in prison for being a Christian. And Vietnamese prisons are not fun places. And he was continually moaning and groaning and complaining and crying to Jesus like, why don't you get me out of here? And one night in the dark, his cell began to glow and it lit up with a blinding light and Jesus appeared in his prison cell. He said, I fell at his feet and wept and wept and wept. And he didn't say anything to me. He just stared at me and he said, and I felt his anger at my complaining. And I felt such love for him and his glory. I told him, if this is how I can bring you glory, I will be here the rest of my life. I will gladly stay here if that's what you want. Please forgive me for complaining. We are on display. God can do whatever he wants to make us a prophetic sign and a wonder. Your story is going to display his love, his mercy, his glory. But we, we're doing it in front of the world, so we have to do it right. God says you must love and forgive and preach and serve and redeem, and you are not allowed to quit when it gets hard. And you're not allowed to become hard and cynical and uncaring. You're not allowed to avoid the hard relationships or the hard circumstances. I require you to be compassionate. I require you to truly care about people, not just go through the outward motions. We're not allowed to complain. We have to be thankful. Jesus says, you're not going to give some cold, uncaring forgiveness. I require you to give caring, willful, energized forgiveness. Not that you don't just write off the person that hurt you, but that you actually care about them. The way I care about you. God says, I will display my purposes in your life and I will make you into what I want, whenever I want, however I want to do it. And you will respond with love and forgiveness and joy. Why? Because is God sadistic? No, it's because that's what he does. He has loved us even though he didn't have to. And he chose us even though we have caused him heartbreak. And he engaged himself to his church knowing she would cheat on him. And he hurts more than we know or imagine. He is in pain because of your rebellion and my selfishness. And in all of that, he does nothing out of some cold, begrudging duty to just do the right thing because I have to. He does it with real, willing, energetic passionate love and forgiveness. He's not requiring that we do anything that he doesn't do. He leads the way. So Hosea went into an extremely painful marriage at the command of God. 
it is possible to hurt all over and be smack dab in the middle of the will of God. David and Moses and Job and Jesus and Paul and Elijah and Asaph all prayed to die. And in the moment when they prayed that, they were right in the middle of the will of God. He is accomplishing his purposes. He's displaying his redemption in your family and in your life. And then we have Gomer. She is already a prostitute when he marries her. She is apparently unrepentant of her ways, and so she cheats on him in adultery at least twice and likely more, but gets pregnant twice. And he, Hosea, is very angry, and it's not a sinful offense because you can't write the eternal word of God while you're offended. Um, his description is the heart of God. The anger and the hurt and the offense that he has is righteous at her cheating. But Hosea writes in chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, I'm going to go get her back. I'm not ready to give up. And that displays the heart of God for Israel also. Behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. Comfort can be tender words. I will give her her vineyards from there. God has already said of Israel, I will destroy your vineyards, uh, the things that they were offering to the Baals. I'm just going to take it all away from you. I'm not going to provide. You're going to have famine and Bugs and drought, and I'm just, you're just going to starve to death and if, if you're not going to worship me. But Hosea and God say, in the wilderness, I'll give you your vineyards there. Three times God has mentioned wine, giving wine to his bride. In our covenant, the wine is the Holy Spirit. In the wilderness of your circumstances, I will be there with my spirit. And I will speak gentle words and I will comfort you, and I will woo you back. And the valley of suffering will be a door of hope. Whatever suffer, it's our own fault. Even when it's our own sin that leads us into the wilderness and gets us in trouble, God still says, I will provide a door from that valley of suffering into hope for you. Hello? And she shall sing there as in the days of your youth where in the valley of suffering she will learn to sing i will give her her joy back not because she gets to leave the valley but because i give her joy in the valley she will sing again as in the days of her youth let me change that to she will sing like when she was innocent and it shall be in that day says the lord that you will call me my husband I will betroth you to me forever in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. So God and Hosea, neither one, are ready to give up on their bride. Even after she cheats on him, I will follow her. And I will speak gently to her. And I will win her back. And I will give her hope and a song again. And that's the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3, I'm not going to read to you for sake of time. But in chapter 3, she does it all again. After all that, she does it again. And not, to, not only does she step out on him, not only does she just 
go and visit a man for a one-night stand or some paid encounter, but she moves in with him. And not only does she leave her husband to move in with the other man, she sells herself to him as a slave. And God says to Hosea, go and buy her back. Again. And he does. That's us, folks. Gomer is a picture of the people of God. We disobeyed God, and he was gentle, and he was kind, and he followed us, and he wooed us back with kind forgiveness. And we did it again! And again! And not only do we just step out on him, we sell ourselves into debt. Thank God the debt is paid. Not only did he forgive us, but he paid the debt that we never should have been in. He cut off the chains that we never should have been in if we just stayed with him. He loves us that much. You can go read chapter 3 on your own. It's really short. She does it again. And he redeems her. And then there's the kids. Whether we like it or not, we inherit our parents' sin. Our bio-parents' sin. God says down to the fourth generation. You are who you are, and you wear their identity. You are the one flesh that they became. Uh, you are labeled by their actions. You are named after them their name, and you inherit the consequences of their behavior and beliefs and however they raised you and what circumstances they were in. But God says, if you will obey him, he will change your identity. Verse 23 of Hosea 2, I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. That's how that verse translates into English. And it's actually quoted by Paul in the New Testament in Romans, which I'll show you in just a minute. But uh, I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. That's the correct translation. And that's the way we're supposed to read it. But I'm going to show you next a verse that's half translated and half not. And the boy and the girl's names are in the verse. I will have mercy on no mercy. The, the actual little girl. God tells Hosea, you know what? I'm, I want her. She's not some casualty of this story. God loves the individual person. Every individual person. I will show her mercy. I told you to name her that, and it's right, but I will show her mercy. And I will say to Loami, meaning no, not my people, not my family, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. I will call them individually, and they will say yes to me. God tells Hosea. God cares about every single individual person's circumstances. These two that were of of no fault of their own were named and identified as this. God says, the the girl named No Mercy, I will show her mercy. The one that's named Not My Boy, I will call him my son. And they will say yes. So, Lo Ruhamah and Lo Ami have been in heaven for 2,700 years. Okay, don't argue with the theology of that. Okay, that's not my point. They are in the presence of God. 
for 2,700 years. Worshiping God. They didn't stay. These aren't fable characters. These are real people. They didn't stay little kids. When he was five and 15 and 35 and 55, he had to tell everybody he went to, hi, my name's, I have no father. My, my name is uh, not your son. Oh, well, we know about your mom. Hello. Now, these two are in heaven on their face before God, saying, God, you are worthy of it all. All the pain and the heartbreak and the cost, if you use my story and my name for your glory, yay, God, it's all worth it. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for redeeming my name. It's all worth whatever it costs for you to declare your nature and your word through me. Thank you for redeeming my mom's sin. Thank you for giving me a new identity. Thank you for using all that tragedy and pain and the brokenness in our family for your glory. It's all worth it. Thank you for showing mercy and calling us your children. Amen? Ultimately, when God says, I will have mercy on those who have been shown no mercy, I will call my children those who are not my children, he means us. And it's fulfilled in the new covenant in Christ. And Paul quotes this verse in Romans chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, where he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, that's Loami, and I will call her beloved, that's not beloved, I will call her who was not beloved, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said of them, you are not my people, that they will be called the sons of the living God. In Christ, the prophecy that is Lo Ruhamah and Lo Ami's life and their name and their identity applies to us. We are the ones who were merciless and without love and without family. God has brought us into his family. So Paul quotes it directly in Romans. Peter alludes to it in uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So we can know for absolute certain with all biblical authority in the New Testament that Hosea and his children and Gomer and Israel are a prophecy of Jesus and us. That we who do not belong in the family of God, who were born in betrayal and sin and adultery, God has adopted us as his children. He has shown us mercy who did not deserve any mercy. And he has made us his children who did not have a father. Your identity has to come from Christ. You have to accept his will for you. You have to believe that his script has a happy ending. Whatever's going on now, the script has a happy ending of your life, I mean, your story, that God will redeem every single one of us, and that whatever the circumstances or the heartbreak or the anger or the pain or the betrayal or whatever, every good tragedy from Shakespeare up through modern movies, it looks like all is lost, the bad guy has won, nothing could possibly fix this, and then all of a sudden there's victory. That's Jesus in the grave, and it's you. You have to believe that he has written a script with a good ending, like he did for Lo Ruhamah and Lo Ami and Hosea and Gomer.
that you have to accept his script. What happened, happened. Your parents are who they are. They did what they did. You're labeled by them or by the world or maybe by yourself, by what they did and who they were. And some of you had great parents. A lot of you didn't. You had maybe some of you have had super marriages and some of you have been through multiple bad ones. You're born into whatever you're born into and you are who you are and you're the product of your parents and their actions and past marriages and failures and victories, the good times and the bad times. It, it made you who you are. And it's labeled you for good and bad. It's labeled you. But Jesus has a new name. He has a new label for you. I will call no mercy. I will call her mercy. I will call not my son. I will call him my son. Jesus has love and mercy, acceptance, family. I mean, the family of God. A perfect father and a perfect mother. A safe home. For those of you who did not have one, not in rejection of your bio mom and dad and your earthly parents or family. Somebody would just thinking, yeah, right, I need a new identity. I don't want to be nothing like mom and dad. And the older you get, the more willing you are to realize uh, I do exactly what my parents did. Come on. That's not what Jesus means when he gives you a new identity. It means you forgive with real compassionate forgiveness. Your parents, your exes, the current people who are hurting you, what you in real, caring, godly love, I forgive. So that I break the chain. So that the spiritual chain is broken. Not in rejection or condemnation of my parents, but I just don't want to repeat that cycle. Jesus has a new name for you. However you got labeled, however circumstances you were born into and the tragedies you've lived through and rejection and whatever, you must come to him. You must, from the wilderness of your circumstances, whether it's somebody else that put you there or your own, and actually it's always a combination of both of those, when you end up in the wilderness of your circumstances, you must say yes to Jesus. He's coming to win you back to himself. You must trust again. You must forgive and you must ask for forgiveness. You must let down your defense and receive correction and guidance from a heavenly father who loves you and will teach you to do the right thing. And when you do, you will sing again. You will find light-hearted, real joy again, as in the days of your youth when your heart was innocent. Some of you had a long, innocent childhood, and others of you were born into tragedy, and by the time you were three, you were already terribly scarred. And you don't even know what reality is supposed to be. Jesus will give you your innocence back, or maybe that you never had. You will experience joy even in the valley of suffering, just by knowing I am His, and He loves me. No matter who else rejects me. When David said, when father and mother reject me, God will never leave me. And you and Jesus will have an unbreakable covenant 
that's like a perfect marriage, not like a failed marriage, but like a perfect marriage, is the only picture that God says, this is the only picture I can come up with, is a husband that never leaves his wife and always loves her right, and a wife that always loves her husband right and, and never leaves him. That's the only picture I can give you of you and me, is that I will be perfectly faithful to you and exclusive to you, and you be perfectly faithful to me and exclusive to me. In the valley of suffering, that can happen, and you find joy, and you get a new name, a new identity, a new label, and there's righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy in your life. So some of you in the room are Hosea. You are a man or woman of God, and God has given you an assignment, and it sucks. And you obeyed, and it hurts. God says, keep going. Stay faithful. Don't give up. You're mine. I am making you a prophetic sign. The stuff you are living through is not pointless. I am going to display my redemption in your circumstances. So God might say to you this morning, stop complaining. He might say, quit feeling sorry for yourself. He might say, you're doing a great job. Just keep it up. Or he might say, you know that person that burned you? Go and chase them down and love them again. That person that left you, go pay a price for them. Some of you are Gomer. Some of you have stepped out on God. And you have sold yourself into an addiction and a debt that you can't pay. And you know that you're supposed to be God, man or woman, but, but you keep stepping out, chasing other gods, chasing after other priorities and other things, and now you're stuck. You're a slave to something. Jesus wants to come and pay your price. But you have to be serious that you will come home if he does and that you will stay home. Hello? Hello? There are some gomers in the room. You're married to Jesus, but you're stepping out. Maybe a lot, maybe a little bit, doesn't matter. But you're, you're stuck in a trap that you can't get out of. He will pay your price. He will get you out of it. He will redeem you and buy you back. You have got to mean it, that you will stay home. Some of you are low ruhamah. You're the little girl that is not loved, that was shown no mercy. She didn't stay five. So she was 15, and she was 35, and she was 55. So I don't know how old Lo Ruhamah is in this room, but uh, there's a bunch of her. The, the little girl that wasn't loved, that wasn't taken care of, didn't have a daddy, or was wronged by dad or stepdad or whatever. God wants to show you love this morning. We're going to give him a little, a little time to do that. And then we have some low ammies, low ammy, I guess we'll say in the room, some boys that didn't have a dad. You maybe had a, a man that raised you, but he didn't treat you like a son. He didn't discipline you right. He didn't treat you right or wrong, or maybe he wronged you. Or maybe you never knew him. I don't know what your story is. But there's a bunch of boys in the room, and maybe boys that are 65, but there's boys here that need a father. 
the need to have God be a dad. I just want to give God some time to address your heart. You turn your heart toward Him. You can close your eyes and sit. You can kneel where you're at. You can come here on the steps if you want. Don't be afraid to, or ashamed to cry or whatever needs to happen. But there are Hoseas in the room that need to repent of complaining. God needs to encourage you and let you know that, yeah, these circumstances are me and I put you there and you're doing a great job and just don't let your heart get hard. Don't get tired. Stay faithful. Keep paying the price to love that person or obey me or be in that difficult ministry. There's some gomers in the room. You need to repent. You need to cry out. You need to, you need to admit that you're cheating on Jesus and you're chasing after other things. And now it's a trap, and you're a slave, and you need bought back. You promise him you will stay home if he pays you off this morning, because he will. Some of you, low ruhamas, just need, just let him love you. Just let him love you. Let him fill you up with the things that were never provided or fix what was broken or what, just let him love you. And you men that are the little boy that wasn't fathered right for whatever reason, let God be your father right now. Let him be your dad. Who will teach you right and wrong, who will provide for you, who will keep you safe, who will discipline you correctly instead of violently or not at all. Let him be a good dad. 